I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Podcast like it. Just podcast like it. Podcast like it's 1999. So you're gonna, you're gonna be able to talk about like how culturally it's like, yeah. I, I got I, I got so much. Of this. this is so awesome. Yeah. Hello and welcome to podcast like it's 1999, the podcast where we talk about the films of 1999 from a fire here <laughs> in 2019 i wanted to do that so badly there was a fire fight um oh my god we're doing boondock oh i'm kenny nybart yeah, i'm phyllis Cove. we have sean o'connor on a real life irish person to talk about a real life person of irish yeah. descent to talk about boondock saints i mean a movie people i, I want i just i'm Right out of the gate, the movie I just want people to say ellipses about all day. There are people that do uh, like this movie, but I, I also just are they we people? Don't, Phil? Are they people? They yeah, are people. I don't want to make a broad generalization. I hate when people do that. But if you like Boondock Saints, you're capable of murder. <laughs> <laughs> There's absolutely no question. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I would agree with that too. <laughs> I, I will also just say though, like. So when Kenny and I decided we were going to do this movie, Kenny said that I had to watch this documentary called Overnight. Did you As watch well. it, Sean? I, yeah, I, I've, well, I had never seen Boondock Saints, but I've seen Overnight oh, three times. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> perfect. Perfect. Um, it's amazing that watching Overnight didn't make you want to watch Boondock Saints. <laughs> nope. If anything, yeah. it pushed me away from Boondock you never. If you watch Overnight, now I, I do recommend Overnight strongly. Yeah, everyone should, should try to – it's a little hard to find. Um, it is, it's it not is. streaming anywhere. You kind of have to buy a DVD. You could always borrow the it. DVD from me. 
you can't. I highly, we highly recommend. It's a great movie, period. Yeah. But I also think it gave me insight into this movie. And this man. And this man, yes. I mean. Troy Duffy, guys. Yeah. I mean, when you watch Overnight, you kind of realize that Boondock Saints is outsider art with insiders working it's, in it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of interesting. It, it's uh, true. But oh, it's, in, it's incredibly interesting. Yeah. Like, this, this, there, there is no movie that we've done or movie I can think of yeah. like this. Uh, the conception of it, the execution of it, its place and culture. I cannot I, – we'll talk more about yeah. this, but I cannot think of a movie that had such a critical popular divide. Oh, yeah. The, the Rotten Tomatoes score is insane. Rotten Tomatoes is like 20. It's 22 from critics, 91 from audience. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's perfect. Sense. And that is, and, and that's I, everything. I do think that there's, there's some selection bias here because sure. anybody who wants to watch this movie is generally predisposed to watching a movie about like just yeah. rampant murder, <laughs> but and like righteous murder. Yeah. Um, but most movies like that that have like a critical, uh, popular divide, generally the critics come around to the popular view. Yeah. For instance. The Fast and the Furious uh, mm-hmm. franchise is a good example where, like, critics are like, uh, whatever, and audience is like, this fucking rules. And now you put out, like, Fast 8, and it gets 95 in Rotten Tomatoes, where the critics are like, we give up. We yeah. we, we give up. We have to change yeah. for the times. This is harmless fun. This is not harmless fun. <laughs> no. This is – I've never seen anything like this. Yeah. I can't really point to anything else like this where the 91% are so fucking wrong and scary. <laughs> They really, they really are. I yeah, mean, this yeah. is truly like it does make movie. sense why it, it was only released in five theaters because of Columbine. <laughs> like this, well, and also it's not well made. Yeah, on top of everything else. On top of yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. it's except the, the the action of the violence is not bad. It's decent. It's not bad. I think it's pretty cool to be honest. I think that's the uh, reason why know. this movie has any. I would think that you're that, talking about the scene when he's. Orchestrating like a kid. No, that is not good. There was a f- yeah. yeah. Uh, the, the 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 creepy people who like this movie, they were given cover by this whole Willem Dafoe thing. Sure, because they could also point out and be like, "Look how progressive I am. I like a movie about a gay yeah, I guess, man." I guess ish. Yeah. Um, but I do think the thing where they're you know caught up in the roof, shooting in, in the circle, is just kind of cool. To look at and well conceptualized, I did totally. kind of audibly gasp when I think it was uh, Norman Reedus jumped five stories onto the guy. Yes, like that's yeah, that was cool. I did actually like that. I didn't really and understand the toilet, the toilet was pretty I clever. Didn't understand the toilet? I, I dropped understand. the toilet on his head. Yeah, uh, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm just saying. Like I understood that, but anyway. <laughs> what did you understand? The toilet. He the never would have hit hit him with. I it. mean, I and mean, also it would have. Like, yeah. The geometry of it all. <laughs> and also, you know, you're pulling guys, a fucking toilet guys, out of the like, ground. Like doing the fucking – doing the sin and the co- the sign of the coastline with Joy oh, Johnson. Yeah. I was just trying to – skyscraper. You're like, he could never make that jump. <laughs> it's true though. I just wanted to disprove <laughs> – don't, don't, don't tell Rollins. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to disprove the mathematics of the boot. Wait, I, I want to say one thing real fast. Yeah, Total yeah. tangent. Mm-hmm. Took my son to the movies this weekend. Um, and it was – we saw yesterday lovely movie. And he looked up at me and he goes, Dad, I love Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> Yesterday? He must have seen an ad somewhere. Oh, okay. For some movie. I've just, but I thought That's he was, was going to say, I love you. Or maybe he was thinking of what. I'm sure he was going to say, I love you. And he goes, Dad, I love Dwayne Johnson. Maybe. I'm like, 
Is it possible after watching yesterday, he was just thinking what a world would be without <laughs> Dwayne Johnson? <laughs> can't handle it. That would be amazing. I think yesterday was sweet. I mean, I didn't think it was. I sweet. agree with everything you said going into it. Yeah, it, right. it 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 might be the biggest could could have been better movie it's, I think yeah. I've ever seen. I haven't seen it, but the trailer. My thing, uh, my main problem with the trailer, sure, was the line about how like. Cold, they say Coldplay, Coldplay, and Coldplay couldn't exist without the Beatles. Well, there's a joke in it, maybe arguably the best joke in the movie. Totally agree. It's when the Beatles are gone, uh, spoiler for, I guess, people that I haven't seen yesterday, uh, and he looks up Oasis and they don't exist. Uh, that's pretty good. Yeah. That's a good joke. Because, like, that, but, the, the most could not right. exist. <laughs> We're just going to do a little yesterday spoiler sure, right, 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 right now. Yeah. Um, so he was, the conceit is insane. And, I like the conceit because, you know, I'll buy anything, but, like, he his manager, who's Lily James, um, found or not found him, like kind of fell in love with him musically when he played Wonderwall in eighth grade. Yeah, so I needed to know what, what it was in the new version, I, and that could have unlocked the entire movie. There's a lot of. I mean, listen, I, I I've never seen About Time. I hear it's great. The other I actually Richard really Curtis like. About I hear time. About Time is oh, really About movie. Time is cool, sure. and that's Richard Curtis. Yeah, About Time is ballsy. Which is I've heard it's great. I, I I have it downloaded on my iPad. I'm going to watch it on the plane. Hopefully, I'm going to Mexico this weekend. But I I like the the high conceptness yeah, of what he's trying to do, but also through the prism of like you know a rom com. Like I think that that's a nice way to sort of do that stuff. I guess that my issue with this is that like he doesn't really explain the kind of rules a little bit, and it gets a little bit at the end. You're just like I don't really understand why this is happening. And then it's just over, and you're like, okay. I, I love like lo fi fantasy stuff, like, like a Groundhog Day. Yeah. Right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The best. Yeah. The best. But it was good. And you want to know what? Like, they had the thing with two people at the end who basically said, this is not a big yeah, spoiler. Yeah. A world without Beatles is a world not worth living in. And yeah. that I think that was kind of, the, I think that was the theme of the movie. Yeah. And yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Beatles rule. Beatles are great. Um, and I love the performance what are, of help on the What's on the everyone's road? thoughts on Across the Universe? I love it. I actually really like Cross. Yeah, yeah, I think it's kind of great, I, right? I, do, I love it. I like it got awesome. shit on at the time. Yeah, but I think that if it was just kind of ahead of its time, like if Across the Universe was released today, people would be, I think, pretty vulnerable. Pretty yeah, if it. it followed Rocket Man, it would be the biggest movie. That's totally kind of what country. I think too. Yeah, we'll um, we'll definitely talk more about that yes. when we talk about Titus. Yes, yeah. we will. And I'm excited. So we'll, to do we'll that. put a pin in that. That's going to be because we're talking about the, coming up soon. the exact <laughs> opposite of yesterday. Yeah. Yes, we're talking about Boondock Saints. Uh, so um. I, there's two things I wanted to say. The first is, and, and I, I say this relatively often lately because Kenny and I have handled some or covered some shitty movies. Um, we don't relish shitting on movies. Like I, I'm not the type of person that like really gets off on people being or not incompetent, but just like, you know, a, a poorly made movie to me. A lot of people worked hard and working in this industry. We all know that it's just unfortunate when all that hard work is comes together in something that doesn't work. Um, but this movie doesn't work. It doesn't work on a technical level, really. I think it's fine in terms of the photography. I think some of the action scenes are fine, but for the most part, it's incompetent because he doesn't have any filmmaking experience, and you can sense that everywhere. Yeah, it it feels that way across the board, like with casting, yes. and that's the crazy thing about Overnight, is when they're talking about the names oh my God, in it's which... crazy. And yeah. then you watch the finished product, <laughs> and it's like the exact opposite. Where yeah. He's like shitting on Keanu Reeves, he's, he's shitting on, on Ethan Hawke. Ethan Hawke. Yeah. I mean, 
it's just you're watching it just being like, what does this guy think he's making? What does he think he's going to get to make? Oh, I get why. I get what he think he, he was making. You do too. He, he he's not he making Pulp, Pulp Fiction. Fiction. Yeah, right. yeah, and he thought he would like, you know, I'm sure he thought he'd get like a Bruce Willis at the, and Samuel Jackson and like some like reclamation project like John Travolta. Yeah. And he wrote those roles for it too. You when know? He says in the documentary, just, just give me a meeting with De Niro. I can convince him to do this movie. But he says that, and I just don't even know what De Niro <laughs> could play in that movie. It doesn't. It Maybe the Willem Dafoe role. Maybe it just—it feels like every character. Maybe it was the Billy Connolly thing. I don't know. You I could mean, bulk that, that up, I guess. I, mm. I guess so. I hate, I hate Billy Connolly. I he's think, not good in this movie. I just that, hate him in general. I, I think he's so brutally unfunny. I, yeah, I think I it's I just really one of the worst characters I've ever seen in a movie. The I Billy Connolly character. Yeah, I didn't yeah. feel anything. It's such a Deus Ex Machina on so <laughs> yeah. many levels. It's, it's, like, it's also so obvious. Yeah, <laughs> it's just—it's—it's it's really crazy. I mean, I think also. I think part of my disdain towards this and why I've never watched it before, honestly, um, I worked in many video stores over the years in Toronto. And this was a film that just couldn't keep a job in a video store. No, <laughs> just, I just didn't work in different videos. <laughs> just get bouncing anyway. around from video store to video store. <laughs> the video store I worked at when this film came out was near uh, University of Toronto. And there was just a lot of very kind of fratty, douchey guys that thought they discovered Citizen Kane. Mm-hmm. through this straight to video release like they just were like i it, it was and I, this might be an unfair comparison i think i've said this before but donnie darko boondock saints were the two like video movies that people were like holy shit how did this not get a big theatrical release this is the greatest movie that's ever made. i i like it as a comparison i know Even it's not though that donnie darko's obviously donnie darko movie. came after <laughs> Yes. But i think donnie darko hit before like i don't think boondock saints really hit until like, i agree and Oh two, oh three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember senior year of high school. Like I went to uh, Catholic school in New Jersey, and with so many dumb kids, and they sure. loved Boondock Saints. Yes. And somehow yeah. I found a way to not watch this until yesterday. The, the, the sweet, <laughs> the sweet spot as a Jew yeah. are uh, Catholic school, yeah, trash men. Yeah, but, <laughs> <laughs> but when I was um, when I was say that the Daddy Dargo thing is yeah. The reason I think it's an interesting comparison and, and not apt, but not no judgment on that, is because I think Donnie Darko is the opposite, where people actually did think they found Citizen Kane, and like they're not. I'm not Citizen Kane, but they're not wrong. Like Donnie no, Darko, Darko yeah. is Donnie Darko is like a, a gem. If you found that in a video store mm-hmm. and no one told you about it, you would be like, "Where did I get this little piece of gold?" Yep. So, the, so the I agree with that. The road had been paved. To find little gems like a Donnie Darko. Mm-hmm. And I think a bunch of trash people um, thought that they did it. And it was always the same people who were telling me. Like people yeah. who knew that I was like a, a cinephile um, would come up and be like, have you seen this fucking movie, Boondock Saints? You won't believe it. <clears throat> you know what the other one is? And it's a little bit of a deep cut. But it's sort of in this is equilibrium. You ever see that? Uh, uh, Tay Diggs, Christian Bale. It was a Matrix ripoff that they did that went straight to video. Oh. And it was, again, like black uh, clad uh, leather jackets. It was sort of a totalitarian society. A lot of slow motion, a lot of bullet time. It was just one of those things where this was this was the heyday of videos, right? You're talking like late 90s, early 2000s, when before the internet really stole all of this thunder. And you had these straight-to-video releases with pretty decent actors or big enough actors that, you know, people were like, oh, shit, I found something great. I, I, I put together a little list of a yeah. few of them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the other thing that, like, I think gave this a little 
boost mm-hmm. was even more than the Pulp Fiction and all that because Pulp Fiction is it's like that's a unicorn. There's nothing like that. Yeah, yeah. It, but this is like I feel like in the 1990s, if you were like an aggressive white male with an idea about violence, you were gonna have a bidding war about your idea. Sure. And like okay. I feel like Tarantino is the exception, not the rule. Like truly. Yeah. Like, like things to do in Denver when you're I, dead. Literally, that's, that's on my list. So, so, so there's, yeah. So there's a Pulp Fiction thing where like people, you know, it's people are aping. It happened to Scorsese too. People don't really understand what they're doing. More than that, like the best example of this thing we're talking about, which is also one of my favorite movies is Usual Suspects, right? Usual Suspects mm-hmm. is essentially like this idea done exceedingly well, right? Uh, and then I think that, I, I put together a list of like five movies that I think were kind of built okay. on that, even more than the Pulp Fiction of it. It's like Pool Hall Junkies. I don't know if you ever I saw know, that. Or I, that. I remember the box. Yeah, I remember it. the video box. <laughs> these are, these <laughs> are all <laughs> bad movies. Yeah, yeah. Things to do in Denver when you're dead. Yes. Big Kahuna, which we'll be watching. Uh-huh. Albino Alligator, which sucks. Suicide Kings, which I don't know if you've ever seen, which I fucking box. sucks. I remember the box of that. All these video boxes look the same, by the way. These are all <laughs> movies where people think that the violence is the main event. Yeah. And don't understand the pathos behind any of that or yeah. the societal implications. I mean, I, to its credit, I think Boondock Saints does understand the pathos and the societal implications. They just go on the other side. They're just like basically the, yeah. you know, violence is good. Violence is an answer. Well, yeah. the vigilantism is the an reason answer. why Troy Duffy wrote this because I had to like I was like remembering back to overnight, but then. His reason yep. and the reason he shared is so crazy. So insane. Is that he saw a drug deal going down across yeah. from him in a hallway and was like, wouldn't it be great if I could just murder, murder them? them. Yeah. That's insane. <laughs> yeah, that's I mean it was it's but also, I mean, having watched 90 minutes of Troy Duffy, it doesn't it's it tracks. It, it tracks. <laughs> but a, after watching 90 minutes of Troy Duffy, I wish he just murdered them. <laughs> 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 yeah, me too. So I think can- Troy Duffy placed a pretty big bet. The big bet is essentially that this this voice in our heads. Yeah. I'm not saying I want to murder anybody, but this like voice in our heads that we all have that says like do a bad thing yeah. is a voice that everybody has and is as loud and creepy and scary as him. Sure. Right? Like yeah, that, sure. this idea that I wish I could just murder people is something that everybody has. And the scary part is like this movie made $250 million. Um, on DVD yeah. and home video, there are but a lot barely of barely got a piece of, I'm so glad yeah. about that. When I he read that, nothing. he didn't get anything. He got nothing. I was relieved. <laughs> I know. Thank you. Which is the only appropriate. It's ending. a confident representation. I, to get him a piece of I, I, sales. I, I can't imagine a story about a guy that's as tragic as the Troy Duffy story. That is also as big of a feel good ending. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, he got nothing. Yeah. This guy, this guy had everything like ripped out from him. You're like, yes, yeah, yes, take yeah. more, take his limbs. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. The, I don't remember what I was saying. The point is like, yes, he plays a big bet that everyone is sick and demented as him, and like it's scary how many people actually were. Because as yeah. I said right before, this is the first movie I've ever seen that like I hated purely on moral grounds. Yeah, yeah. It's. I mean, I do. I in my head, I keep thinking about like, what if this had gone the way that. Troy Duffy had hoped it was going to go right where he gets a $50 million budget. He gets some stars, whoever they might very well be. Uh, the movie still would look like this. Do you know what I mean? It like was, it was, it would still have this script. It would still point. be poorly directed. So on some level, I'm just like, 
It, would, it might have bigger stars. That's it. That it, that's bigger it. stars making the same weird choices. Like I, 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 perhaps I felt like Willem Dafoe's really going for it. He is going for it in such an insane way, like that it was it was baffling. Like <laughs> he makes weird choices from beginning to end, and also his character did not need to be gay. Not at all. It's it, cover. It, it, it's cover, but it also felt like he was. I feel like Troy Duffy wrote it for that one scene where his boyfriend tries to cuddle with him yeah. just for a line. Yeah. Because there's weird comedic punchlines and bits. And, and, I and then re- dropping the F word in there, too. Or just like, but it's, it's, it's a very, it's just, well, I, I, it's I, obviously a homophobic. Yeah. Film. All right. So like, I have a more stupid little point, but it's not because it's Troy Duffy's entire worldview. What's this character's name? Do you remember? Oh, I don't God. remember a single character. This you gotta remember what's Paul the first name? Smecker. All right, so Paul Smecker, small pecker. <laughs> That's what he's doing. You really, uh, you really think so? I'm a hundred. Are you kidding, Paul Smecker? How many sme- <laughs> I, How yeah, many Smeckers I mean, do you I don't know? know any Smeckers? I, I, I don't think, know any Smeckers. But I just That's his name. Paul Smecker, <laughs> small pecker. And it, it is, I think he's right. And, <laughs> I hope he's right. I, I just it's it would just be like there is the a, most Troy Duffy thing there, that could be done. I I, I don't want to I don't want to give away too much. <laughs> I think you'll know the answer to this, Phil. Mm. And I'll tell you off, Mike. Okay. There is a prominent person I follow on Instagram. Uh huh. I don't even want to say his name. I can't even do anything else. But basically, he has a very similar handle. Interesting. And I know why he did it because he did it for that same reason. Okay. Well, it's not Paul Smecker, but it's something talk, else. About this Point being, I'm familiar with the the this this little wordplay. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm familiar with this little wordplay. He definitely it's definitely Paul Smecker, small pecker. It is definitely a, a comment on what he thinks about gay people. I'm a hundred percent positive of this. Okay. I I again I don't dispute it because. Troy Duffy seems it, to be. It know, does. Probably. I didn't put that together, but you're a hundred percent right. <laughs> I you, know Sean. you're right. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> and I just want right? to. I just want to say, if Troy Duffy's listening, which he probably is, because something tells me no Troy question. Duffy. He's no got question. a Love Google search on Boondock Saints for sure. But oh, man. I think gay guys have big dicks. The <laughs> 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 opposite. You got it all wrong. Yeah, you're so it's wrong, so right, Duffy. Right. That's so amazing. Right. <laughs> yeah, he, he definitely is listening. <laughs> it might be. All right. Well, what so, are you going to do? Here's here's a sort of a question because I wanted. I'm try. I was as I was watching this film and more specifically watching overnight. I kept thinking about the movie landscape that would allow this to exist. Mostly, it's Harvey Weinstein. Mostly, it's this this guy who starts sort of. You know, combing through weird little nooks and crannies of America, trying to find, you know, talent, I guess, or diamonds in the rough post Tarantino. And I guess this script somehow gets to him. I don't remember, unfortunately, remember the the chronology of how the script gets to Harvey Weinstein. Got to everybody. It was a, oh, it was just a hot script. It was, like it, it, which is crazy to me. Because yeah. like on the page, don't fucking tell me that this is a great script. That's the problem with the script. The problem is the structure. I hate the structure. Oh, and fucking hate it. No, I do. I, I, I think like it's incompetent. This idea of like Reedus and Flaherty or Flannery, Sean Patrick, Flannery, Flannery, go into a room. They cut to Willem Dafoe explaining the crime as the crime also is happening. There is no POV here. No. It's in. Competent. It's also it, it removes all tension. All tension. It removes any sort of stakes from it every time because you already know what's about to happen. It's it's just it's it's crazy to me. It's crazy. It's literally the opposite of screenwriting one oh one. 
which is why he's again. I'm, this is going to sound worse than it should, but like he's a bartender. He doesn't like. Whoa, oh, whoa, whoa! Tell that to AOC, Phil. I just mean the idea that like he's a bartender and he's obviously has no filmmaking experience, or even quite frankly, I would argue whether or not he even has much sort of like filmmaking knowledge. And I say that in the sense that like say what you will about you know Tarantino, I think is is a genius. He's a guy who taught himself everything that he knows by watching every fucking movie that's he, ever he's been an made. He's an obsessive. And, 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 and that's part of this. Now, again, I don't want to paint with too broad a rush. Maybe Troy Duffy has a, has a deep knowledge of, of movie going and movie cinema. But I'm just, I don't know. I'm frustrated by no, the situation. I think, I think like when you uh, like read interviews with like Paul Thomas Anderson or uh, Quentin Tarantino, they talk about all yeah. the films that influence them. Troy Duffy talks about how he wants to murder his neighbors. Yeah. There's, there's the huge disconnect. He is, he's a misanthrope yes. who fucking wrote a movie and just so happened to be a bartender in LA. That's the only reason why this so even this, got any traction. So the, the bar, and I didn't, I didn't put this together. The bar's in LA. Yeah. Oh, I've been to that bar. Oh, you have? That bar is on Melrose. That bar was, that, all right, so that bar is on Melrose, like in San Vicente, right by the Pacific Design Center. Really? And, yes. And that bar for like our first 12 years here huh. uh, and th- back into the 90s too, I guess. Yeah. So like late 90s, I forgot. It, it's had a lot of names, but late 90s through like early 2010s was always like one of the hottest bars in LA. And it kept, it's kept, it's like the space that had, that had area. Like I'm so out of like this club world, but that space that had okay. area and then had like Greystone Manor and just kept getting another name. Okay. So like every two or three years it would rebrand itself but it was always a really hot bar and right now it's a hot bar you drive by there now and like it's a hot bar i just want to go on record and say i'm sure there are lots of very intelligent bartenders out there that have lots of knowledge and deserve to have their screenplays read yeah it's just this guy's not one of them exactly no you're a hundred percent right so it's 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 just this guy falls into this situation which he clearly has no real metric of understanding and thinks that that it's all just gravy. I mean, he makes every it's it's kind of amazing to me how sort of childlike to a certain degree the way that he played this was. I mean, building a crew called the Syndicate, his band's called the Brood. It, it's all like it it feels like junior high. It's junior high. It's it's very much like the Boston Irish Catholic brain come to life. Like we're there he's a true jack of no trades but but tries but tries his hand at everything because everything should be super easy yeah all right so i'm gonna i'm gonna entitlement i'm gonna say some some positive things about him um he has a forceful personality and i know that sounds like a negative but there is there's a lot that could be gained through just kind of being a bull and he got in he got in all the doors that he needs to get in to get the opportunities that like frankly i've never gotten so and most people i know have never gotten so he had the chance to make a movie so through sheer will of through sheer sheer force of will Mm -hmm. um the other thing i'd say about him is like the music's not that bad and I haven't listened he, to the music, I guess. Well, they did the soundtrack. Oh, they did the soundtrack. You're right. Sorry. And he – some of it. I mean he – there's some really weird music choices. But he <laughs> says in Overnight, <laughs> I'm not a filmmaker. I fell into this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, that kind of informs his whole worldview for me, which is like everybody comes out here – musicians, yeah. bartenders. Everyone writes a screenplay. His screenplay for whatever reason – 
just kind of hit. And I think it did kind of hit with like, there's no surprise. There's no weird reason why it hit with Harvey Weinstein. Harvey Weinstein's a sociopath too. Yeah. Borderline psychopath. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. if you really think of like his, uh, his output of the 90s, it is all just like different types of aggressive men. Like, I mean, yes. like, oh, we have Tarantino, you have Kevin Smith, which is also like just a different, a different type, type of yeah. What's your relationship with Kevin Smith as a New Jersey person? Love him dearly. Is that true? Really? Yeah. Okay. Do you like Dogma? I love Dogma. Oh, oh, we'll have you back. <laughs> I'll be back for Dogma. I actually rewatched Dogma this year and loved it. <laughs> oh, I'm, boy. I'm, I'm afraid to have a Kevin Smith fan on for Kevin Smith episodes because I, I I love talking to you, Sean. And I, <laughs> yeah, and we, we almost I, we've I, never argued I, in our two podcasts. And I'm oh, this is Sean's second time on the podcast. Yeah, it is. Number I wish I I I can tell you this. Uh, so Kevin Smith was just on the show that I don't know why I'm pointing yeah. to the TV. I was like I don't know what's uh, happening. I I sometimes work for that. Uh, <laughs> 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 That. I pointed to a TV. But Kevin Smith was a guest on the show we just did, and I got to meet him and talk to him about meeting him when I was 13. Yeah. And it was very, in a way, like therapeutic. <laughs> you really worked through some it, stuff. Kind of, I kind of <laughs> did. Like, where I was just like, when I was 13, like, you told me uh, that I should, like, I asked him all these questions. Yeah. And, and then he was, like, really positive about uh, going for it, and I went for it. And it worked out, and I was like, oh, man, like, what did, did he have anything to say about that? Yeah, he was just like, oh my God. He's like, no one ever tells me. <laughs> no one ever listens to me. <laughs> yeah. He was kind of, he kind of told me that everyone he's ever rec- told to go into it has never come back. Let's to uh, tell him it worked. Let's, for real, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. let's do Dogma soon. Yeah. Because Kevin Smith is an interesting kind of, uh, Inflection point a little yeah, bit. Yeah, like there's there's a there's a lot of overlap on these mm-hmm. Venn diagrams. Well, because yeah, also like with the fans, the thing with the, the Troy Duffy fans, I don't know if that exists, but the thing with the Boondown Saints fans is like the, the yeah, the, the, the Duff fans <laughs> or Duff fans. Um, they're all bad people. Howard Stern has a lot of really reprehensible fans, and then also some people who I just think are so smart yeah, yeah. and so funny are also like Stern yeah. is the best. I listen to him every day. There's no one as smart or as inside insightful as he is and i'm not even knocking that but for whatever reason like the stern also attracts people i really I think, find deplorable. I, I think that kevin smith is a little more the fans and his output are more innocuous he seems more harmless to me than a fan of say boondock saints and i don't mean that physically oh wait oh, i just mean they're just by, very different. by a long shot but yeah. i mean but i do think there is uh there's something to you comparing kevin smith's fans with howard stern fans because i do think it is this weird, like, I think a lot of Howard Stern is he's super analytical and doing satire at times. And I think satire is sometimes missed by his audience. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's the equivalent of, like, On the Family, where people love Archie, but Archie's supposed to be the villain of the show. Yeah. Like, you're yeah. supposed to hate Archie. People are just yeah. kind of into his racism a little bit. Exactly. Like, yeah. And, like, with Howard Stern, it's like, oh, I like how he makes fundamentally handicapped, but he's actually not. He's giving them... <laughs> something to do with their lives. There is a little bit of, and forgive me for opening this door. No, but I know what you're saying. I think there's a little bit of the Trump. Visibility matters. There's a bit of Trump mixed into it as well. And I I don't want to go down that road necessarily, but I just think there's there's something to the idea of I mean, we've never done it before. So Just people that are saying things that feels, there's sort of a a, a ruthlessness and a a lack of giving a shit that that brings a certain type of demographic towards them. Uh, people that feel either disenfranchised, people that feel like they're not being heard 
or that they deserve something and that the world is fucking them over somehow. That's where sort Troy of Duffy is smarter than Donald Trump. And sure, I still wouldn't want to be president. No, I'm not saying I would either, but at least I would. Yeah. There's a big difference between Trump and Troy sure, Duffy, sure, which sure. is essentially sure. like I have a pretty good grasp of what Troy, Troy Duffy thinks about things. I don't have a good grasp of what Trump actually thinks about things, which I don't really think he thinks about anything except for like yeah, himself. And yeah, enriching yeah. Donald Trump. Yeah. Um, so that that's like Troy Duffy has a worldview. Yeah. yeah. This whole movie is a worldview, which is essentially like there's good, there is evil. Yeah. I'm on the good side. Murderers, drug dealers, mafia members, gang members, et cetera, are the bad people. Yeah. And like the police and the government aren't really doing their job. And good people like me and my brothers and the people I know from Boston should clean up the world. And garbage, awful, really, truly scary. Yeah. Um, but I get it. Yeah. But having said that, we can agree that if you like Boondock Saints, you definitely voted for Trump. <laughs> like – I'd say probably. probably. Pretty, I would say a hundred percent. Pretty high percentage. I, I so <laughs> yeah. I guess. Also, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> yeah. Also, I do think like with a uh, yeah. the, the the worldview of like good versus evil. The the scene that gave me the most shake was the the scene in like the peep show thing. Where they yeah. kill those two innocent guys, yeah. just at, and like for breaking being at a peep show, basically. for being at a peep show, and yeah. it's like, like I watched overnight. Like you're a fucking creep. Yeah. You're working with Harvey Weinstein. Like, yeah, you're sexually people, harassing women yeah. on the street. <laughs> on the yeah. street. On the street. Like you're now saying it's wrong to jerk off, which is like such an Irish, Irish Catholic, Catholic thing. thing. That is like that is something that I is it really? Oh, big time! It's all about guilt and oh, like okay. With confession and stuff, it's just being like, I can do whatever I want. Because then I'll confess it later. Because I'll confess it later. And, like, you don't think about other people doing the same thing. I fuck it. This whole thing was, like, porn to, our, like, to Irish Catholics. To, to Irish Catholics. But to, to the Irish Catholic patriarchy. Yes, of right? course. The patriarchal system that, like, you were raised in and yeah. you were kind of forced to kind of get on or get off. Exactly. That's like, hard. It's weird when you go along for the ride and then write boondock things. Yeah. Like, so, you should leave at 16. I do want to say, and I'm not, I'm, I'm absolutely not going to defend Troy Duffy in any way, shape, or form, but there's a, there is a scene in the documentary where I did feel a little bad for him. And it's, it's the scene where he's talking to Harvey Weinstein on the phone. And you get the impression that for the first time he's seeing it slip away. Like he knows it's getting away from him. He doesn't – he can't just bully his way through this anymore. And he tries to kiss the ring but too late. And you're just watching him realize that I only have one tool in my tool belt and it's not working this time. And he doesn't know what to do. And and I don't, I don't necessarily – you know, obviously, I don't defend anything that he does, and, and this is what happens when you are a fucking idiot and you say horrible things to people and you yell at people and you 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 know throw your dick around the way he does, thinking that he's some fucking cool guy that can do whatever he wants. Uh, but it it was just a it was a moment. It was a moment of humility. It was a moment of of he seemed like a person for a second there. Um, so I, I, I do sort of. The documentary is a a certainly the rise and fall of of a, of a man. I think but. it's like one of the most important documentaries to watch if you're thinking oh of my God, to yeah. LA. Like, 100%. 100%. Sure. Yeah. I mean, if you want to work in this industry, it is a what not to do. Exactly what not it to really do. It really is. Everything you shouldn't <laughs> do. It's so crazy, the, the idea. You know, I mean, I, you guys are smart guys. <laughs> you probably had the same ridiculous 
thought that I had, which was I thought, being a smart guy, that I would write a script after college, which I did in three yeah. months. Sure. Come out to LA and sell that script mm -hmm. and then write movies forever for 50 years. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember saying to somebody, you know, like worst case, like it doesn't get bought, but like it's a really good sample and like I'll wind up writing TV. Like, which is absurd, uh, right? It's all absurd on its face. Sure. Um, this happened to Troy Duff. It did. It did. <laughs> but, I, but I almost you beat the odds. Well, but it's what a nightmare. I, I have another friend who just, just kind of miraculously mm -hmm. was writing TV shows by the time he was 22. Came out and within the first year, he's on a TV show. And I don't want to say anything else about it, but he was on a TV show writing and works his way up. And he's literally running two shows before he's 30. And by the time he's like 35, like he's burned bridges and he like is kind of not in the industry anymore. Um, the overnight thing, and obviously overnight's called overnight for a reason, but the overnight thing seems like it's exactly what you want and it's exactly what you don't want. Like best case scenario, you're Shane Black, where like you actually have to go to the, like wander in the desert for 15 years before you find yeah. your voice. I would I would also say that from from some personal experience to a certain degree, I think that you need like it sucks to quote unquote pay your dues. It sucks to have to start at the bottom and work your way up, but it is vitally important. Totally, as someone who you know, as an assistant, sold a television show, was thrown into the deep end on a show. Uh, hey, you're kind of like the Troy Duffy of Canada. <laughs> I, I, <don't> <laughs> I certainly hope not. Uh, but I, I think that you just – you don't realize how vital that those steps are. Like they teach you first of all what your voice is and hone your craft and how to be better at this. It also teaches you you know, how to quite frankly eat shit for a little while so that you understand that it's worth something. So the overnight success thing, it's just you really shouldn't want it on your worst enemy. No. It's so hard to explain to someone who's in college or yeah. coming out of college that like – your twenties are a sunken cost, yeah. but they are like you just, just yes. like give your twenties yeah. over to Hollywood or whatever industry you're in, yeah. eat shit for the next yeah. eight to 10 years. And then like, enjoy your thirties and like yeah. move your weapon, actually get stuff made. Mm -hmm. But if, I mean, look, God love her. Look at Lena Dunham now. Like yeah. Lena Dunham is 27 years old and like has a hard time getting TV shows made. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just, it's, it, it is, it's, it's so rare, so rare that someone can hit the ground running in a career and be able to, to keep it going, to keep it going, to be, you know, the person that I, I look at someone like Damon Lindelof, for instance, who is someone who, you know, he, he worked as an assistant. He worked on a couple shows before Lost. So it he wasn't was still like, young he was when still Lost very happened, young when Lost yeah. happened. And even he like was like, when the show got picked up, he went on a walkabout. He was just like, I can't do this. Is and that that's how what, walkabout happened? I, I don't believe that that's where the title came from. <laughs> but, but I do think that that's, that's why Carlton's brought in, right? I yeah. mean, that's, he's like, I need someone to do this with me. I need someone who can actually like keep the trains running because I don't know how to do this. And it's that humility that is so rare in this town. And it's something that, I don't know. We, we should all be looking to make things collectively better <laughs> as opposed to thinking, I want all the credit. I want all the fame. I want to hoard it all for myself. It's just. It's but crazy. if Harvey Weinstein in 1999, most powerful guy in Hollywood, comes to you and says, "I'm yeah, giving you a million dollars for this script, and you can direct it for 15 million dollars," you're not fucking bringing on a rabbi. You know, <laughs> you're guess, doing yes, it. I guess. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah. it would. It's so. It's movie like making one of those, different than TV. So. Yeah, but it is one of those things, though. When when you uh, are on the outside, you're like, "Yeah, man, this is the right way to do it." But it, I mean, when it's yeah. offered to you, you're like. 
can handle anything. Anything. Like, I that? know yeah. my capabilities. <laughs> I, I've run a bar for three yeah. months. How hard is it? Point and shoot. But right? I do, I do think there, it's, it's funny you say that too, because there is sort of this, if Harvey Weinstein, to your point, comes to you, says a million dollars, $50 million budget, I'm going to let you do this thing. You have to be thinking to yourself, well, he obviously trusts me. Yeah. So if like, this guy, this titan of industry thinks I can do it, then obviously I can do and it. This whole fucking thing is fake until you make it. Yeah. Of course. The crazy thing is, though, is like every single person I know has imposter syndrome. And it's weird that that never shown in the documentary. <laughs> That's true. Like, That's it true. is like yeah. pure like cocaine confidence like the entire time. Yeah, it's it's he's the, the delusions of grandeur are shocking. In this. Yeah. So um, I'm going to have a synopsis of Boondock Saints uh, for the people who have not had the pleasure uh, of watching it. Uh, tired of the crime, tired of the crime overriding the streets of Boston. Irish Catholic twin brothers Connor, played by Sean Patrick Flannery, and Murphy, played by Norman. Reedus. Didn't know that was their names. <laughs> yeah, no, I, don't, I, don't, I honestly don't think they've been said maybe twice in the movie. Yeah, same. Uh, are inspired by their faith to cleanse their hometown of evil with their own brand of zealous vigilante justice. As they hunt down and kill one notorious gangster after another, they become controversial folk heroes in the community. But Paul Smecker, played by Willem Dafoe, Paul Smecker. Uh, an eccentric FBI agent is fast uh, closing in on their blood-soaked trail. Uh, Boondock Saints has 22% on Rotten Tomatoes from critics, 91 from audiences. The Rotten Tomatoes critic consensus was that the movie was a juvenile, ugly movie that <laughs> represents the worst tendencies of directors channeling Tarantino. Uh, Nathan Rabin of uh, AV Club described the film as a less proper action thriller than a series of gratuitous, violent set pieces strung together with only the sketchy semblance of a plot. Rabin went on to describe the film as all style, no substance, a film so gleefully in its gleeful in its endorsement of vigilante justice that it almost veers or ascends into self-parody. Uh, Robert Kohler of Variety described the film as uh, in his review, was a belated entry in the hipster crime movie movement that began with Reservoir Dogs. Troy Duffy's Boondock Saints mixes blood and Catholic-tinged vigilante justice in excessive portions for sometimes wacky and always brutal effect. The film is more interested in finding fresh ways to stage execution scenes than in finding meaning behind the human urge for self-appointed writing of wrongs. Yes, and that's why I would say Boondock Saints <laughs> had two types of scenes. Fighting scenes and explaining scenes. There's so little. It's actually like a surprisingly lacking in plot. Like there's yeah, really not there's no much plot. actually going on. No, I think I looked at my phone for a second and they were already, they became vigilantes. And I don't know what like pushed them in that direction other than they threw a toilet at a Russian guy's head and didn't get arrested for it. So they were like, oh, we can just do cool. this. We can start killing people. Yeah. I, I just, it, it's, I, it's so, it's really it's a, strange. It's a very bad movie. It's a very On bad every movie. every level. It, it, it doesn't even like, it doesn't set the stage well. That opening scene in the church is apropos of nothing. Well, remember like, no context some, for it. Is that the is church that, person. Yeah. Sean may be able to tell church me person? who these church people are. Some church guy. It's not the priest. It's someone else because the priest is just giving the sermon, right? Yeah. So someone – like they just walk up and hang out with Jesus. And some guy's like, don't don't do anything. Yeah. In in the temple, we call that the bema. What's it called in the church? Like a deacon? No, no, not a deacon. The actual actual stage. Oh, the the altar. The altar. So we call it a bema. It's the altar. They walk up to the altar, talk to Jesus, like pat his feet or something. They kiss his feet. They kiss his feet. And some deacon or priest adjacent is basically yeah. let him, let him go. Yeah. Why are they, they're all they've already anointed these guys saints? Well, here's going like, into the movie. Well, here's before they the start slapping each other with meat. 
Is that not opening a euphemism? Is, yeah, that was fucking ridiculous. <laughs> is that opening church scene actually the future? Like, is this them after? I'm just giving you fucking. You might be right, but it's it, not clear. I'm just. I'm saying that that would explain is, it. Maybe I love this movie. Nothing. <laughs> You're coming around nothing, on it a little bit. Nothing is clear about these characters. I don't know why they live in Boston. Like, why spe- we shot in Toronto? Yeah, like, and, oh, well, yeah, cause, like cause they're Irish with the well, they're they're like Irish Irish, first generation so, Irish, yeah. yeah, and like their dad, as revealed in the movie, yeah, uh, has been in America since the sixties. Yeah. Like, so <laughs> why do they have Irish accents? Why do they just live in a room with nothing? It's but like two beds and a toilet. It's a do- it's a dog tooth situation. <laughs> they, oh yeah, yeah. They were just they were raised only in that room, so that's why yeah. they haven't met anybody and haven't acquired our access. Like room. Yeah, yeah. They're yeah. proficient in fighting, but they're friends with one. And- they're not even that proficient at fighting. Can we? Do- like, it feels like they fall into things. Oh yeah, they literally do. fall through a ceiling into a ridiculous fucking action sequence where there's where the camera's spinning camera spins in every fucking shootout there, there's it's a, just arms outstretched with guns spinning around all the fucking time there's a reason for that okay they're saints <laughs> this is no no seriously they're divinely inspired they're, oh. it's the hand of oh. god okay. who is who is oh i see what you're the saying. hand of god who is making these bullets miss them and whatnot so, are we so, are we really supposed to believe that? A hundred percent. Okay. Yeah, I'm I, I know that's totally conveyed, though. It absolutely is. They're unkillable. So, oh, the, okay. and that's why the other guy is killable. They're their third oh, friend. See, so. I thought uh, that Troy Duffy just wanted his character yeah. to survive. Good guys survive. Bad guys die. <laughs> well, I mean, that seems more like that's, yeah, I, that's true in every of these. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah. I, I, we've watched so many like action movies or even good action movies, crummy action movies. Yep. Inspector Gadget. Sure. Where every yeah. oh, I can't wait to do it. Yeah. Every <laughs> bad guy in movie history is yeah. also a bad shot. Oh yeah. Why is that? Yeah, that was because like, it's necessary. I'm so tired for of it. I know. Uh, so that's a bad. The best villain is the guy who can actually aim. aim. <laughs> yeah. I mean, truly, the firefight scene. Where they've introduced Billy Conley, he hasn't said a word. They don't. They don't tell you anything about him. Well, they tell you his name. They tell Il Duce. Fuck off, Il Duce, the Irish guy. How does Billy Conley get a name? Literally the most Irish guy. That guy. That guy's a shamrock for a face. So he, yeah, but, but that yeah. but that shit like That's he's insane. introduced as being the greatest hitman, and he's <laughs> shooting against three people with six handguns who aren't moving, who aren't moving, and he's missing repeatedly. Uh, meanwhile, they're not hitting him either. Well, no, I mean uh, it's just a bunch of shots that just ring it's out. Divinely inspired, but like to me, it's kind of like why are you even shooting? Uh, like I think you I know agree. that these I are agree. your sons. <laughs> oh, it wasn't me. a big surprise at the end when they turned around like hey dad he's like hey sons like that's the speech it's awful it's, it's awful such a bad movie but i kind of wish there was more movies with the guy the italian guy with long hair i, I kind of what was like, his name what was yeah, his he wasn't bad he wasn't he bad wasn't he was kind of likable like the scene they had they, they actually showed them shoot in overnight where he yeah. comes and freaking out yeah I'm like, yeah this is a lot. I'm like, the Troy Duffy directed this scene? Yeah, he's like, he comes off super likable mm-hmm. in scenes. And then, 
and then nod in others. Well, and others. The, the, Which I N-word, think, the N-word scene. Oh, the N-word scene. With uh, Ron Jeremy. He, he's, he comes off likable in that scene, too. He does. Yeah, that he, scene's terrible. That scene's... The, well, the fact that Ron Jeremy is in a movie with a budget more awesome. than $40,000 is fucking insane. Well, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure he, like, helped them sleep with, you know, some porn no, stars it's, or something. It's, no, yeah. it's, 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 like, it's like trash bag... Um, it's like this, like trash bag scummy. Yeah, uh, going for by, a pro, by approximation, like yeah. the people use Ron Jeremy a lot in that capacity, which is which, he's actually not terrible in it. Like as an as an actor, he's not a he's, bad, he's not he's a not bad, bad actor, actor yeah. for doing what he does. Yeah. But you only use him if you want to be like, hey, by the way, we know porn exists too. Yeah. He also seems like, again, just in the interviews, he seems like a a relatively you know grounded guy. I guess is what I'm sort of getting at. He's the guy who realized I can make a lot of money having sex all day. And I think there's some value to that. Yeah. <laughs> but. <laughs> Touche. But to yes, go sorry, into yes. the Italian yes, mafia, please, which please. really bothered me that their name was the Yacovettas, yeah. which is like not, that's a made up Italian name. Like Italian names do not typically start with a Y. Wait, that the Italian, it was a Russian mafia. No, that was the Italian mafia. They go for different. The mafias. Russian ma- mafia is the syndicate. Yeah. The no. Russian mafia is who he shot in the round. Those are those guys. Those guys are Russian, I believe. So. Yes, yes. Who yeah. are the Italians in the beginning? The Italians are, like the, are the, the the big bad, like the guy oh, who at is, the end. Yeah, when he he was the guy. Oh, who, the guy who's saying the M word. Yeah, the guy who's saying the M word. Yeah, oh, and sure. eating a sandwich yeah. that's Italian, a full loaf of Italian bread <laughs> with <laughs> with four slices of meat. You know what? <laughs> this like that's how you know an Irish guy wrote and directed this movie is he has zero respect for the Italians. <laughs> <laughs> it's too bad because the the best review that you read, and it's also the best review of the movie, was that it almost like ascends yes. into self parody, but never fully gets there because well, it would have to know that it's yeah. Knowing watching oh, watching overnight overnight, this guy did think he was making like the greatest movie of all time. Oh yeah, and it the the scene you just said, Sean, like that's a hilarious move. Yeah, uh, the, having an Italian mug, <laughs> oh, an Italian low, like that is funny. It is inherently. It's, it's, if he was self aware enough to realize, are, there are random jokes in the movie. <laughs> I, I did. I think I laughed at least twice. Wait, when the long haired Italian guy grabs the woman's breast, who's unconscious. <laughs> yeah, he he has a punchline, and they do a blackout. <laughs> like it's, like it, you're seeing a live improv show. That's the other thing that's the, the, the cutting <laughs> of this movie it, is so it. weird. They go to black in the strangest times in this movie. Uh, like the the first smash to black before the credit, the Troy Duffy directed by credit, which feels like it's almost like mid sentence. Yeah. Like you just it, there's no oh, sort of that's rhyme like or reason. When they, that's when they beat up the woman. Yeah, that's when they beat up Dot Marie <laughs> yeah. Jones of, of yes. Glee for yes. being a woman. I think. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> for being a tall woman. For being a, a yeah. for being a tall woman who kicks him in the dick for no reason. Yeah, they're kicking but, him in the dick. <laughs> she kicks him God. directly in the dick just so uh, oh, yeah, Walking Dead could dick. punch her in the face. Oh, my God. <laughs> so here's this. I guess the other thing that I want to kind of circle a little bit oh, is, is the idea of what was cool around this time. So like in independent cinema, like that essentially Tarantino birthed this idea of of – sort of self-awareness but more than anything just like we just want to have wraparound sunglasses and black coats and smoke at the same time as you walk it like there's just they're trying so hard to be cool that's more the brood though than this movie sure uh yes but i mean they're not they don't even look cool their jeans are awful 
everything. <laughs> yes, the the worst jeans I've ever I will, seen. I will, I will say it, I, it is strange that there's always been the Tarantino comparison with this movie because yeah. I do think Tarantino characters are like kind of effortlessly cool and they talk about cool things. I don't remember a single conversation outside of a stock N-word joke. And no one looks cool, except in one scene, which I think is the best scene of the entire movie, a scene I started laughing maniacally during, (laughs) and it's when Willem Dafoe dresses like a woman for no It's so great, and he plays it like Bugs Bunny. (laughs) He does does play it like Bugs Bunny. (laughs) It is such a crazy scene. I remember that scene. I mean, first of all, the kiss is aggressive. So aggressive. I don't, I'm just everything about it's aggressive. I don't really understand. Like I don't know what the joke is. I don't. It's it's offensive. It, that's the, not that offensive to me. Really, the kiss is not. A, is no, that no, the kiss asking? is not. No. Oh, everything. I, I I'm trying to figure out exactly what was going through Troy Duffy's head, and I think it is some on some like transgressive thing. Um, you don't think he just thought like it'll be funny to have a dude dress as a woman? I mean, I, I'm not sure that there's a whole I, lot more to it. I, I, maybe. Oh, I do think in his head, though, maybe. he was like, how do I get Willem Dafoe in there? He's like, he can't just show up because it's a mafia house. What if he dresses like a pretty lady? Like, I think it's, it's that amazing. one-to-one. Yeah, like, I, I, yeah. yeah. But it had a great line from the mafia guy going like, oh, Antonio always sends over primo box. (laughs) (laughs) What world? (laughs) Like, even if you're in the mafia, you're not saying that directly to a woman's face. (laughs) (laughs) Even if you're the mafia. (laughs) I mean, yeah. That, uh, fuck this movie. Oh, and I... I'm still, I'm still the psychology of this. I'm still the psychology of including this Willem, Willem Dafoe character. I think he, you know, I keep going back. Like, I always think about the entourage thing that that was before my time. Thank God, that was an entire episode built around that Billy Walsh was going to have Vince have to get blown in Queens Boulevard, and he wanted Vince to be comfortable with that. Remember uh-huh, that? Uh-huh, uh-huh. And, and yeah. you know, Vince is going back and forth and can I play gay? And it wasn't really can I play gay. It was like, will the bros think I'm like gay if I play gay? And the whole thing was really like uncomfortable. And finally, like he has his moment. And I think he – I think he goes back to Billy and he says, I've thought about it and I'll do it. And Billy's like, great. It's out of the script. It was never in there. Just wanted to see if he trusted me. Um, And I do think like – This is a cop out. Well – my point is, we copped out. Yes, no, yeah. They didn't. You know what I mean? Like, there is something. You're talking about Boondock. Boondock yeah. didn't. Like, there is yeah. something. Like, in the end of the day, That's Troy true. Duffy was going to have to ask Willem Dafoe and a day player to kiss. Mm-hmm. You know, he would have to, like, in success, he would have to put himself in that position where you really have to be yeah. like, you just got to trust me. I'm Troy Duffy, the genius. And there's something sure, kind of like, there's something psychological about that. I'm not in any way, like, presuming anything about his sexuality. I'm presuming mm-hmm. something about what he thinks is artistic and what he thinks is transgressive and what he thinks is shocking. Yeah. Um, and I do like it, in a weird way in 19, in 2019, it softens this movie. Um, it does, you know, cause he's not, I agree with that. There are some homophobic stuff here, but ultimately like, this is not your typical homo. Like this is not your typical like, homophobes character. No, but, I, yeah, I think no. it's it's just it's a weird scene. It's charged with a lot of different stuff, and it's kind of ping ponging all over the place. It is. I think if you like look at the whole character, uh, 
like there's a, a the the Boston cops share a few looks at things he's doing, but yeah. I don't think it's because he's gay. It's just he's, he's that odd. fucking weird. Yeah, yeah. But then yeah. after his wig falls out, after he sure. he, he fu- uh, kisses that mafia guy. The mafia guy doesn't like have like an Ace Ventura esque yeah. reaction yeah. to sure. the reveal of it being uh, like a guy. So like I do think in the nineties that was. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Honestly, the right way to handle it. It's probably true. It's like it's a weird little thing about this movie that like... It's weird. It's such a stupid thing to say, and I'm like embarrassed I'm about to say it, and it's very easy to debunk this. But given what else goes on in this movie and what else is going on in culture, it's weirdly a sensitive portrayal of a gay person in this world. He's the smartest guy in the room. He's the most competent guy in the room. He bosses those guys around. Like, this is not your typical portrayal of a gay man in 1999 in a movie like this. I I, I can't dispute that, but I also – I can't sort of – it's hard for me to get on board with it because it also feels so cartoonish and it's it's so broadly – and I don't want to put this at, at Willem Dafoe's feet, but it, it is so broadly performed. It has a very sort of like – it feels a lot like um, Gary Oldman in The Professional, um, a better movie obviously and a better performance. But uh, it, it's just so heightened that it almost feels like they're hiding behind sort of the, the theatrical – elements of this character i will say i i uh, agree with every part of that except where i would put it on will <laughs> <laughs> he fair, fair yeah i don't know if a director can direct you to do what he does yeah, in this movie i, know, I agree or like, direct I, you out of it either yeah Troy like, duffy doesn't have the power he, to be able he, to say like yeah, Maybe you're going a bit big with this, Willem. Yeah, like where he's just like talking, giving direction. Then yeah. he just starts doing like a like a sassy Southern woman yeah. and people. It's such a. It feels like a Robin Williams stand-up bit. Like Willem uh, Dafoe may not know a lot of gay people. <laughs> that is, <laughs> it's possible. Uh, he, he included all the four gay people he knows into one. <laughs> so, uh, speaking of uh, Willem Dafoe, I just want to talk a little bit about some of the casting stuff that that almost happened. Things that mm-hmm. couldn't couldn't have happened. Uh, Mark Wahlberg turned down one of the lead roles to star in Boogie Nights. Probably the better play. Better play, but I guarantee he regrets it because he regrets Boogie Nights for some oh, odd well, reason. Because he found. 
religion and now yeah, exactly so like, boondock saints. boondock saints would have been the right maybe you're right uh troy duffy apparently flew to new york city to meet ewan mcgregor to offer him one of the lead roles uh at a night out duffy got drunk and they got into an argument over the death penalty and mcgregor passed on the film this led to miramax putting the film into turnaround so i just got an argument over the- uh, ewan mcgregor <laughs> that's on ewan mcgregor it's pretty obvious what Troy Duffy thinks yeah, from yeah, the script. Yeah, 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 if you read the script. <laughs> fair point, fair point. What did you think he was? Yeah, that's true. Oh, also, though, around the same time, he was probably agreeing to star in Star Wars, so. True. Yeah. Yeah. He's probably amidst. Yeah, better choice. <laughs> Imagine this. They wouldn't have ever made Wahlberg do an Irish accent, right? You couldn't do that to that guy. Could you humiliate him like that? (laughs) Yeah, I don't think they would have made him do it. Uh, Troy Duffy dismissed several casting choices for the film. He refused to meet Brad Pitt because he already played an Irishman in The Devil's Own, which I think is amazing. Uh, And rejected Keanu Reeves and Ethan Hawke, calling the former a fucking punk and the latter a talentless fool. (laughs) (laughs) My God. (laughs) You should have put that dialogue in the script. For the role of Paul Smecker, Miramax preferred Sylvester Stallone. Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bill liked, Murray or Mike Myers. I would have liked any of them. <laughs> like, I think Mike Myers and Willem Dafoe would have done the same exact thing. I agree. I think I think Mike Myers would have gone just as big. Yes. Oh, if you, yeah, like, especially 1999, Mike Myers, that guy had zero leash. It, it would have been yeah. an interesting cultural document. <laughs> yeah. I would have killed for that. Bill, I mean, Bill Murray would have been Bill Murray would bizarre, have been but like... Bizarre. And like, I, I mean, Bill Murray would have made a choice mm-hmm. and whatever that, I mean, he, I don't, I think it probably would not have been big. I imagine it would have been, but whatever. Uh, so after numerous delays, Troy Duffy shot a sequel, the Boondock Saints to All Saints Day, uh, which the brothers one. returned to continue their run of vengeance. It was released October 30th, 2009. Uh, in uh, October of 09, director and Connolly mentioned details about a third film uh, called uh, Boondock Saints 3 Saints Pre- <laughs> Saints preserve us i don't really is that like a is that a catholic pun no i don't i don't know what it is it's confusing saints but no saints but apparently 20 basically it uh in february of 2013 uh duffy said that he got together with Reedus and flannery to resume talks about boondock saints 3 could you imagine being norman norman Reedus right now and like getting that text from duffy and being like like, oh dude do i have to (laughs) but like you know he does it right like he's not not gonna do it i imagine no women love that guy sure so move on well, but I feel like he, he's like this was a movie that kind of put him on the map a little yeah, bit, and oh. it requires no acting, yeah, <laughs> at all. Know. He was in the second one. Will Smith is not doing six degrees of sef- separation too. two. That'd be amazing. seven degrees. I, I mean, love that movie. It's a great movie. I just can't remember the brothers ever talking in the movie. They don't. It feels like there's ever- no brotherly like connection between the two of them. Really, well, there's the meat slapping. Is with the meat slap. That scene is so bad. That scene, like I, because knowing where the movie went, to you know, you know, m- yes, mur- murdering brothers. Um, the, the like the, the playfulness brothers. of that scene, yeah, and like the way the other guys in the meat factory are like so into them, and think they're like these rap scallions who just hit each other with giant hunks yeah. of beef. Um, it was so off putting while like Brothers McMullen music is playing. In the it really is. Right. It's like you think you're like watching like the Brothers McMullen. Totally. Which, by the way, like is not a movie about how like brothers are like wonderful to each other. But it's like you think you're like what, what, watching this movie about like how like these, these two brothers, like these great guys yeah. 
who like everyone loves, yep. who just are going to go like, you know, farm some fucking <laughs> herd some sheep together yeah. and they instead go and murder, murder every mouse on, on a murdering spree. I don't, I, it also just, I know I agree with you that it's supposed to be a sort of a disarming scene. Yes. It's supposed to be funny and cute. And you're like, Oh, look at these guys. But it's, it's actually really, and I hate to get into the weeds on this, but like, it's terribly choreographed and blocked. The, the, the shots don't really make any sense. It has no flow to it whatsoever. Uh, I don't know if I'm supposed to be laughing or not getting punched in the face and kicked in the balls and meats being thrown around. I'm just like, I don't know what I'm supposed to take away from the scene. Um, one last quick thing. Uh, they're making a TV series of Boondock Saints. Probably apparently. not. Probably not. If Kenny has anything to say about it, Kenny's going to no try. Way, there's no way this is going to happen. Uh, but he's in talks with I am global television to create a series that would, serve as, <laughs> that would serve as a prequel. That's I know, true. I know. That would serve as, anyway, he's talking about trying to do a prequel series. But that means someone else. They also changed the title of the third one. It's now called... I love that in the course of like two years has gone from Saints Preserve Us to Legion. Oh, okay, Legion. yeah. That yeah. makes that makes more sense. <laughs> <laughs> I mean like yeah. a TV a prequel series. So before they decided to do the whole movie. So, you know, before they became interested. Yeah, exactly. Mm, and so did they become interested? Well, before they start, went on a murdering yeah. vigilante oh, spree. Yeah. Well, so it's just about two Irish brothers in Boston. Hitting each other with meat. <laughs> 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 oh They're just shoving prime rib in each other's mouths. <laughs> <laughs> Living in a fucking one room. Like, what? what is that show? <laughs> I get I, the only way it would make sense is, is if it's about Il Duce. Yeah, the, Il Duce. Il Duce. He doesn't want to see the old the show. Sopranos prequel. Why don't they just make it like about their fucking kids or some shit and make it like, or something, you know what I mean? Like moving forward. Why, why don't they not make it? Yeah, that's, <laughs> I love doing, I mean, I'm literally, because <laughs> right. we're going to do Inspector Gadget very soon and I spent we about, are. I spent uh, about week. six hours trying to work out a gritty Inspector Gadget reboot since I've really? seen it. Yes. So I will reboot any property. <laughs> not this. Yeah, this I is think the, this a, is the one property. Gun for hire. I am the vigilante. I am the vigilante <laughs> who is who is going to take down the Boondine Saints reboot. Oh, the Inspector fuck. Gadget reboot, by the way. Yeah, I don't want to give too much away for our Inspector yeah. Gadget episode. It could be great. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I was texting with you saying that this is that Inspector Gadget was one of the most disappointing movies. So because like, there's a real opportunity there. I don't. Have you seen Inspector Gadget? I have. Really? Uh, as a child. As a child, yeah. yeah. Uh, all 74 minutes of it? Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's late 90s Broderick. Like, he was it's bored. Weird. He's bored, but he also Except did an election. election. It's same here. Uh, it's like, he, what? He's, he, he would he's not have been my first choice something. for Inspector Gadget, and I, uh, even at the time, but yeah. Robo it's, Gadget? There's he, something going on there. There's. It's like Jim Carrey possessed Matthew Broderick. Jim Carrey would have been my first choice. He would have killed it. It would have been a good movie. Yeah, Jim Carrey would have done a good Inspector Gadget. Yeah, he would today. Well, I right, think he's, he's the star of my gritty reboot. Yeah, I think he's kind of starring as Inspector Gadget in the in Sonic, the, oh, the Sonic movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> super excited for Sonic! Yeah, <laughs> unfortunately, about, Sonic weird teeth, terrifying. That's the big the, thing with Inspector Gadget. The way you can tell Inspector Gadget from Robo Gadget is the chiclet teeth. It's his teeth. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's the only way. Yeah. Didn't Rollins like it? Oh, my kids loved it. Yeah, yeah. That's it's made for them. It's like way too violent for an Inspector Gadget movie. It's pretty violent. Yeah, they want to watch Inspector Gadget 2 with French Stewart. Like, yeah, that's not going to be good. I know. It's like when you photocopy Matthew Broderick four times. I have not seen that, but that sounds better to me. <laughs> <laughs> French Stewart is an interesting choice. The worst part of Inspector Gadget yes. is one of my most beloved actors. Rupert, Rupert Everett. Yes. Such a bad choice. Well, they they, they made real problems. They, they made, All right, we'll talk about this Inspector Gadget. Dun, 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 dun. Uh, 
We're doing it next. How many times do they play the fucking theme song in that? Can you believe there wasn't a hip hop reboot? I mean, hip hop remix. (laughs) That's that's one song that that would. I thought it played over the credits. Oh, it's just just a little more. Any other (laughs) any other version of an Inspector Gadget theme would have just killed. Like if you had Celine Dion doing a version, it would have just killed. Over the dun 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 dun. dun. Oh my god! Uh, it's like Celine Dion is in the room. It's, it's, yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> I didn't give you the full Celine. Yeah, it's, it's my it's, fault. Uh, I can if you want. No, that's good. Um, so I guess so. Here's sort of as we've sort of pretty much kind of gone, gone over the plot, but I do think that one of the things we haven't talked about is the the brawl at the beginning that sort of sets it in motion. Mm-hmm. is sort of they go to this the next morning sorry they they go to a it's St. Patrick's Day of course it's St. Yeah. Patrick's Day I don't have a problem with that uh, well, no, it's, no, the, the I'm least. not saying you do but like yeah you know yeah. so they go to a pub they go to a pub and some Russian mobsters arrive and announce they want to close the pub and take it over on the land that it's built on and then they cut away classic Troy Duffy before anything happens mm-hmm. it's, yeah. a, it's amazing that in the first like 20 minutes of the movie. Yeah. We already know what a classic Troy Duffy move is. He has a signature move. Which is to cut away when something's yeah. about to get interesting and then diffuse all tension or... I think another momentum. classic Duffy thing mm. is uh, giving a character just like Tourette's for no reason. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, the guy's like, bartender. Yeah, it's so much easier to write a character with Tourette's than you know a character. Yeah, he's like he's got Tourette's. That's he's his got character. Tourette's. That's his whole character. Yeah. What's his name? I don't know. Yeah. Does he own the bar? Who cares? Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so we cut away and we meet Smallpecker. I think that Troy Duffy read Save the Cat. What you do you guys so? think? Does a cat get saved? Because I feel like no, a cat gets shot and blown up, which is great. That That makes me think he didn't read it, (laughs) or was like, "Fuck this book." It makes me think. It makes me think you guys didn't read it. The the Tourette's guy is the cat. That's the whole idea. The whole idea isn't you just save a cat; you save someone vulnerable. Oh yeah. So in the beginning. I just, I think you're giving too much credit to Troy Duffy. <laughs> I, well. <laughs> no, I mean, like, it's the easiest book in the world to read, and it's what you, it's the easiest book in the world to read, and it, like, just makes so much sense to, like, for your first screenplay to just be like, all right, well, we got to save a cat in the first reel, mm-hmm. and, but it says, like, explicitly in the book, it doesn't have to be a cat. It can be yeah. anything. Yeah. Uh, it can be a kid. It can be an old man with Tourette's, anything. Anyone vulnerable. Old man with Tourette's. And that's, that, that makes perfect sense why he made him an old man with Tourette's who's being threatened by, like, Ru- Russian mafia. For no reason. No reason. No reason. It's just the syndicate. So, like, yes. Boston is all just a bunch of mafias <laughs> operating at the same time, controlling all the safe spaces. Because that's what the <laughs> mafia does. I think he was insecure about having Red save the cat, and that's why he shot the cat. You think so? Nah, I don't know. It's just kind of a guess. But I do actually love the scene when he shot the cat. I wish. Do you think we can get Troy Duffy on here? Are you an interview crazy? with Crazy? Well, he's going to threaten both of us as yeah, soon as he, he listens to this. I think he will fight any one of us and will and or murder us. <laughs> I think we can get Troy Duffy on here. I wonder if it would be like the Dan Cook, Louis C.K. episode where he would just be like, I was a real He just like eats crow the whole time? Yeah. I think, I think if you guys saw Boondock Saints 2 yes. and 3, yeah. your opinion would change about Troy Duffy. You think so? <laughs> no, 2 is I an about seen, face? If no, we, I'm being Troy Duffy yeah. right now, but I... <laughs> <laughs> Sean, Sean, how how tall are you? Six foot. Right, you're you're kind of a tall guy. Yeah. 
would you come back if Troy Duffy comes? Yes, absolutely. To protect, to protect us from yeah. Troy Duffy? <laughs> I, well, I could talk to him as an Irish Catholic guy. I actually didn't even Tell think Tell him a about, racist joke. I didn't think about him being in this physical space. I thought of a phone, oh, call a phone call would probably be the best. Oh, part. you know, I don't like phone calls. I don't like phoners. You don't like phoners? No, I want the guy in the space. Well, all right. You want well, to meet Troy Duffy. I, I don't. Mean, I don't. He's a unicorn in we'll a way. We'll put a camera on this. He won't do anything to us. Okay. He is a unicorn. In fact, I he would I would be down, and I'm not even just making a joke. I would be down for the uh, what, what would you call it? The Duffconnaissance? I don't think that's happening. Um, Duffessance. The Duffessance. <laughs> he did. I mean, to his credit, or to I guess the producers or whatever, they did eventually figure out ways to make money off of sequels and and what have you. So he's he get pro- some money. I think he's got some money. He's, he's, uh, I say give him True money? Detective season four. Oh just wow! Let him do it. Can you imagine? <laughs> I, I, it's a great that's, pitch. It's a great pitch. <laughs> I would love to see what he does with it. Does he have to direct them? Can he just write them? You know, he's in his. He's almost fifty now. He probably would be cool with like sitting in a room writing. He would write. He would write eight episodes in about six hours, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and handing them over to any director. I think he would. <laughs> <laughs> All episodes done. Yeah. <laughs> Written in real time. Just, <laughs> quicker than real time. We just did it. <laughs> um, so Paul Smith. That's one thing yep. that these guys tend to have in common. They tend to write shit in about six hours. They tend to write shit about the time it takes. And they shoot first drafts. Yeah, there's really – I mean you, you get the impression that they didn't even do like multiple takes. Like, I think he shot first coverage. Yeah. Like there's no coverage either. It's the strangest thing. He never really punches in. He's just always in a wide for as long as possible. It's yeah. very strange. I, there, and there's minimal movement except for when you're spinning, spinning around. Fucking around people with their arms the, outstretched. The one thing I did make a note of and I, I couldn't believe it just in terms of what – outside of the last uh-huh. – of the end credits – there's not a single person of color in the entire oh, movie. It's, it's the judge, right? The judge, uh, outside of the last scene and then the like testimonials, which I actually thought were the best directed thing. We in have the movie. To talk they about kind of were at the end. <laughs> I they were great. You want to talk about that now? It's fucking yeah. Right. All right. So the testimonials, it, when I saw it in uh, in '99 or whenever I saw it, 2000, whatever it was, were the only redeeming part of the movie yeah. because it made me think like he at least was like, all right, there are two sides to the story. Mm-hmm. Now I just hate how many people they have on camera saying no comment. Yeah. yeah why, would you put, why would you put that guys on choice. the news feed? I do, no comment. Fair point. I do. <laughs> Were I, they murderers? I don't get it. So here's what I do. <laughs> a couple of the no comments, you could clearly see an L.A. street sign. Uh, and I wonder oh, if they were his friends in L.A. that he said he would put in the movie. If they just said no comment. And they just said no comment. For a sad card? Yeah. No comment for a sad <laughs> I guess they, those, those guys all got paid. Wow. All right, so, cool. <laughs> so but I did like it because it was the most – it was the only directorial choice I saw in the whole – Yeah, there's very few of them. Yeah. But like, when he makes them, he makes them. He does make them. Yeah. And they are kind of well acted in a weird way. Like, yeah. The people who are arguing with each other. Yeah. 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 It turns out maybe he should have made a documentary. Like – Maybe Tony Montana <laughs> shot that. Oh, Tony the, Montana. You that never guy's name is Tony. Oh, Overnight's awesome. And that guy's oh, real. That's fantastic. He, no. he, have you ever seen a documentary, a documentarian put himself in the documentary and you have sympathy for that guy? Yeah. That's weird. I also was really kind of shocked by the end. Like, does not pull its punches. Basically says, fuck this guy. It's amazing. Like, that is yeah. the end result of, is, is shocking. 
when you think about it. It's because I was sort of expecting it like, well, you know, he got his bar and things were okay and they did some sequels and he was. No, it's like, fuck this. It's like revenge porn. It kind of is. It really is. It's a guy who was going to just be on like a DVD extra making a behind the scenes thing. And then then it's just like, no, this guy fucking sucks. (laughs) I have so much footage. Like, I'm going, (laughs) I'm going to make a movie. God, Troy Duffy must have been so fucking mad about the. It's like 85 on Rotten Tomatoes. Like, it was a critically acclaimed movie. It's also just, you're watching it thinking like, at a certain point, they must have realized, okay, this is this is going to go south, and we just might as well film this guy forever. And the fact that Troy Duffy, even when the wheels are coming off yeah. the wagon, is like, point it at me. Point the fucking camera at me. I want every inch of possible fame I can he get. He brings down his scene. brother. It's crazy. Yeah, it's amazing. It's crazy. The guy from the, who, was that guy from the Doobie Brothers or the Allman Brothers? Doobie Brothers. The Doobie Brothers. <laughs> yeah, the they, Doobie Brothers. his band, for those who haven't seen it, like got started to get managed or produced so, by one so of the crazy. guys from the Doobie Brothers who like thought that they were actually like kind of geniuses. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's very important to realize that Troy Duffy was uh, a part of two gigantic bidding wars. Yeah. One for currently. Yeah. Like at the like, – it's insane. It is insane. <laughs> He's like, least, how would you fuck that up? He's the least talented guy, and everyone he, wanted him for a single year. He was he was 1999's Donald Glover, right? Like for a moment in time, he was Donald no Glover. one could yeah. he, he could do no wrong. Everyone was willing to give this guy all the money in the world. That should just show you how great it's been for white guys. Is at yeah. one point Our Troy Duffy white guy. was <laughs> Donald Glover. <laughs> A guy who is, oh, fuck that's hell. like that great Chris Rock joke about the the four black people in this town were all like famous people, right? Yeah. yeah. They're all like famous people like him and like fucking Eddie Murphy and like two other people. And his neighbor is a white dentist. <laughs> <laughs> so in order to live in his town, you either have to be one of the four most famous black people in America or a dentist. <laughs> so – I also just to to run with the brood for a second because it's worth talking I'd about love to run with the brood because the the band is in and of itself sort of that's his real dream like that's that's the thing that he thinks he's good at quite honestly yeah and he really is competent like the yeah, way he could just kind of guitar player just sit down with a guitar and yeah. write music like he's not a dope no. no and the scenes when you see them actually creating music like you're seeing them talk about it, like he. he he has a a mind for that, yeah, and yeah. a talent for that. Um, but he he puts all of his kind of energy into Boondock Saints because he thinks that that's going to help make the brood happen. Um, they end up selling less than seven hundred copies. Oh, yeah. Such a funny number! It is. It is. It's an amazing number. I think Tony Montana jerked off to that. <laughs> <laughs> I think he just whatever he's like whatever he's just whatever he's like out of material he's like just puts up the slide and go to <laughs> yeah uh, it, it's it's pretty sad the the brood is sort of kind of almost sadder than the movie in its weird way because you there's more people involved yes. to a certain degree people that that's the other part of it too where the syndicate which is also sort of the brood. There's kind of a Venn diagram between these two things. But, like, just whenever these guys are all together in a room, you can see the guys that aren't Troy Duffy just being like, this fucking guy's going to fuck this up for us, isn't he? Like, he's, we're never, it's never going to happen. And, and, and big time because (laughs) the whole point, if you're like a struggling band, is to make that band your life, Mm -hmm. not to have Mm -hmm. one guy who's like getting this buzz 
make a make a movie, but you're going to do the soundtrack, but also we're going to change the name. Yeah, no. They changed the band name to the Boondock Saints. <laughs> <laughs> it's nuts. It's, <laughs> it's yeah. How about the part where he's yelling at Tony Montana and Mark, whatever the other director, Mark Brian Smith, I think the guy's name mm-hmm. is, about how they don't deserve any money? Yeah. That was fucking crazy. Yeah. You deserve what I'll give you? Yeah. And Tony, you know, Tony's like, I think I earned it. And they're like, no, you are nothing. Well, gi- it's a gift. It's, it's nuts. He's also at that point. I can't wait to get him on the pod. <laughs> at that point, it does feel like he's just, I don't want to say dead inside, but like he's lost all of the potential of any of this. It just, it, it all feels for naught yeah. at a certain point for him. Like even when he's filming the movie, all that behind the scenes stuff. It's all very joyous and fun, and he seems to be having a good time, I guess. But it, it, it doesn't feel like he really knows what's going on around him. Like, he's, I don't know. He just seems very unmoored. Well, well he's being pulled in every direction. And, like, yeah. I think at that point, like, he he was getting all of his, like, endorphins from either, like, yes. just closing things or these just phone calls of, like, people wanting wanting him. He just wanted to be wanted at that point. And I think ultimately uh, he just couldn't pay attention to the movie, the band. He owned the bar he bartended at because that was part of his deal. He did let- he even get the bar in the end. I thought that Harvey didn't actually put the money down to, to get. I'm the not bar. sure. That wasn't ever made clear. Because but- Harvey yeah. said he would buy half the bar. Yeah, and then the other half, I guess Troy was going to buy, so he would own it. Or, but I don't know. I, I really don't know how that shows What a goes. crazy little sweetener in a deal. Yeah, it's a weird By the bar you work at? Well, because I guess there's this – listen, I don't know Harvey Weinstein from Adam. But, like, I think it was – I don't know. He tapped into this weird sort of, like, father-son dynamic thing. I mean, that Troy talks about a little bit. Yeah, in we're both call. fucking creeps. Well, like, <laughs> <laughs> I like this creep. He reminds Let's me get a me. bar together. <laughs> The, the one thing that, like, we, that's become very clear to me about Harvey Weinstein over the course of this podcast yeah. is um, he's a, he has terrible taste. Like just terrible taste. It's a shotgun approach. Yeah. Well, there, there are these two lanes he, he, he goes in. One is basically like Tarantino and Tarantino Jason, which is like, yes, when he has Tarantino or Kevin Smith for that matter, when he, when he latched onto an indie guy with a voice kind of by accident, he's okay. Everything else that's kind of in that lane is terrible and scary. Yeah. And then this like prestige shit, which is all almost entirely the worst prestige shit you've ever seen, like Cider House Rules or Happy Texas. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. just just the yeah. fact that like at one point, hmm. Harvey Weinstein wanted Kevin Smith to direct Goodwill Hunting. Yeah. That was his choice. Yeah. And Kevin Smith had to be like, I'm, I'm not, not that guy. I'm not that guy. Good yeah. for him. Like he had to stand up to Harvey yeah. and say no, and then they got Gus Van Sant. Like he, I think he's just an idiot who kept lucking out. I will say this: yeah, though. an idiot with a lot of money. Yeah, because I do think that's I, I, I. Kevin Smith's version of Goodwill Hunting had Kevin Smith been able to sort of like really, I don't want to say rein himself in, but just sort of really lock into how. To, I, I guess what I'm saying is that might have been an interesting movie. He he made a version of it, Chasing Amy. It's yeah. his best movie by a fucking by mile. a mile. Yeah, rewatch uh, it. Oof. It's got to, it, I mean, now it does. You rewatch Dogma and Chasing Amy, and Dogma is the Dog, good movie? Dogma is the good movie now. Tell me why. That really upsets ben me. Ben Affleck's acting in Chasing Amy takes you out of it 100% of the time. He is so big. 
Really? Yeah. It's, and it's yeah, and well, yeah. and like the sexual politics of that. Well, that's movie the bigger issue for me. Way swing and a miss. They're very dated. It's, he it's tries. Just, he tries to convert a lesbian. Yeah, but he on top of that, convert a no, he, he fails at the end. He fails. But then, just all there he does at the end, like he she, he realizes that, or she realizes that they're it's never going to work out. Oh, you're talking about the scene when he tries to have a threesome with with no. Becky at the and, end, they break up, and she goes back to writing uh, comics, and yeah. she's writing. You know, she has a girlfriend, yeah. and like she's she is who she is. She's just. Whatever. I haven't seen Dogma since 99, so I'm curious to rewatch I'm that. I'm so afraid to watch that movie. Dogma, honestly, I just remember the ship monster. That's really all that I the remember. The ship monster is rough. <laughs> it's rough. It's rough. There's, there's no way around that. However, <laughs> the ship monster is a ship monster. Yeah, the ship monster is a ship monster, but he's not that big of a role. <laughs> no, having. <laughs> it's, it's a dangerous thing to include a ship monster yeah. in a movie because yeah, 20 yeah. years later people are going to be like what about the ship monster yeah I mean Alan Rickman is great in it Jason Lee is great in is it Alan and Matt Rickman Damon like a great. centaur he plays the voice of God oh okay, uh, okay. yeah and Alan Rickman a big year was he a centaur in some movie I mean maybe maybe I dreamt it Galaxy yeah. Quest he plays an alien no it's not that He's so good at Galaxy oh, Quest. Yeah. He's so good at Galaxy Quest. He's great in Dogma. Dogma is actually I'm, I'm excited pretty to, good. I'm excited to do Dogma. I think it's going to be I'm, – I'm just excited to see like what it looks like now. Like it's it's interesting. Um, the, the Chasing Amy Dogma thing, which is that the sexual politics and, and sort of the, the gender what have you that, you know, that we're in right now makes Chasing Amy perhaps more problematic than Dogma, which is kind of deconstructing and taking apart religion, which almost seems like – it's okay to do and, now. And it seems almost uh, – at the time, I remember like the Catholic Church really oh, it's, yeah, it's crazy. railing against yeah. dogma and hating it so much. Yeah. And now watching it, it's I just know. like it's not even really saying that much about religion other than like it – like God's – I remember that. I, re- <laughs> I remember that they made like it was such a big stink. That yeah. movie became a lightning rod for all sorts of stuff. It actually probably oh God, it probably real. helped its box office when everything is said and done. Yeah, but they had to release it because th- they couldn't release it through Miramax because of Disney and all that. Like there was a whole bunch of it stuff. Wasn't it was it Dimension? Does that I, not I think, count? I don't know how it was released, but I remember it wasn't. And we'll get into it on our Dogma episode. But there was some sort of a weird thing where it couldn't be released because of Disney owning Miramax or something like that. Did am I aren't Damon and Affleck like murderous angels in that. Yeah, so it's a lot like Boondock Saints. Yeah, they're false. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot like Boondock Saints, but yet so much better. I look yeah. forward to doing it with you, Sean. And uh, it's gonna be great. I'm very nervous. I'm. I don't I'm want, surprised that you're nervous about this. One. I don't want to like so that. So much better than you Boondock Saints. You know, <laughs> I, but you know, you might. But you know, I loved it when it came out. I know. I because I was I was a punk little kid who was like I'm an atheist, mom and dad. Like God. God never existed. You're stupid. The opposite of Rollins. Well, now I'm like a you know an, an old man with all these children worried about death, and now I'm like, <laughs> you're you're not old. I mean, but you, you I do, do have all these children. Do have all children. <laughs> and I'm, I'm I have a new, another children since the last time we met. another child. <laughs> another since children. Last time. I just keep having congratulations children. on your other children. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so many children. So many children. I don't know when we did our last one. I might have two new children since we met last. But um, now I'm really I really am reevaluating all the things like I shit on like a shit monster when I was a child. Like from when I was like twelve or thirteen, I'm like, there is no God. So you, you grown ups are idiots. And I'm like, maybe there's I, a God. do I have to be that maybe. definitive about it? Like, I'm gonna I'm die just, one day. I, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I think what I'm excited about is sort of, I don't know. I, I, I like Kevin Smith 
because he kind of gives zero fucks. He takes a lot of big swings. He's in a lot of really interesting films. Some of them successful, some of them not. Tusk, crazy movie. Yeah. Cra- crazy, crazy movie. Uh, Red State, also a pretty crazy film. Like, I like that he's taking some swings and doing some interesting stuff. Um, you know, and I think that his fans, I think he's lost some fans along the way. He's gained other ones along the way. I think he's had an interesting career. Yeah, know? I think it was interesting that after he made, like, the Viewisk Universe film. Sure. He tried to find his new voice. He did. And, like, he did... Well, thankfully, it's been killed, but he was going to do the Canadian trilogy. He was. And... He really loves Canada. Yeah, and Tusk... Who doesn't? Tusk was fine. Yoga Hosers is not one good. of the worst movies I've, heard I've ever seen. I've heard it's terrible. I've not seen it. And then the third one got canceled. He just likes... He just really like loves... Depp. Degrassi, like he's all about he Degrassi. Does. So do I. Degrassi's great, and I don't know. I don't know if I like Degrassi because he referenced it so much. So much. There's a lot. He's just like he just likes girls who say a boot. It's, yeah, it seems he, to be yeah. Thing. he I, it's literally I, a line. I, one of I think movies. your your point about him finishing off the Viewisk universe and trying to find his next thing, uh, I I really kind of find that charming. Yeah, yeah, it, I do. I, I find that like like um, even more than charming. Kind of like. Uh, it, it nah, I don't know what the word is, it, but it, 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 it makes me like him more. It makes me root for him. I like people who try to, who try to find their own thing. And I feel like, I feel like Kevin Smith is the person we should be comparing to Troy Duffy. Cause I do think they are similar sorts of very lucky. And I think, yes. I think Kevin Smith always knew his limitations yeah. and kept things real. And Troy Duffy had delusions of grandeur and thought he was the most important person. And I think what's, I think that in its own way, it's almost like they're interpretations of Tarantino in a strange way. Like there's, there's something about Duffy being like, I'm going to become this unbelievable, you know, auteur or whatever. Whereas Kevin Smith, I never got the impression that he ever really like the, the filmmaking side of it. He always felt relatively insecure in. you can sort of see it's been, hard for him to sort of make movies that that don't didn't feel stilted for a while and didn't feel like just a locked off camera with his dialogue like he found ways to find his voice as a filmmaker but he never i never got the impression he wanted to be an auteur he never wanted to shake up the world he, he, he just wanted to tell he, some he funny stories an, he no i mean this is like so contrarian but he is an auteur and he did sure. shake up the world like i just don't know that he necessarily wanted to yeah but better or worse like and the thing the difference between him and troy duffy for me is troy duffy was anointed Yes. Based on one stupid yes. script. <laughs> um, just a script. Yeah. And Kevin Smith put his money where his mouth is. Yeah. Like he had he a, maxed out credit cards. Yeah, he had yeah. a finished product that he totally. took to Sundance or he yes. took – he had a finished product. Like you can't hide yes. behind anything else. You can't say, well, if we get this actor or if we do this thing or if we have this budget. Mm-hmm. He just put it out there and people liked it. Yeah. I would I would argue that he he never really sold out. Like he never really he did cop out, which is like one of the worst. Yeah, that, okay, that, that's seen. then that's yeah. fair. That's fair. Yeah, I guess what I mean is in those early stages, and and, and he kind of tried to be cute about it, even with the title. Yes, I know. But, yeah, but what cop out too though? Like to to go to his not wanting to be an auteur. I remember like him on Twitter during cop out. And being so excited that there was camera movement. Yeah. And I'm like, that <laughs> is sweet. Basic. That is yeah, so yeah, basic. Yeah, yeah. And like, he just never did. He never, like, all of his ca- uh, shots, like, in Clerks were locked off. Like, yeah. like he he actually showed 
somewhat of an ability to direct and cop out that he had never shown before, and even though it's a very bad movie. And I think it's because I've never watched it. It's really poorly written. Yeah. I really, I, I yeah. the, the dynamic between the two leads is just terrible. Yeah. But um, the other filmmaker yeah. that, that I think Troy Duffy has sort of a connection to, which I think is worth talking about is Guy Ritchie. Okay. Um, just sort of that very kind of like alpha male, the, the, the aesthetic, I think Guy Ritchie's, infinitely more talented than Troy Duffy, but you can see how, for instance, I don't know if Troy Duffy saw Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. I, I don't know if it had come... I know it came out in it, 99. It would have but, come out <laughs> after this movie was written. Right. And I think it would have actually come out in America. It came out in England in, in 97. Yeah. came out here in 99, so yeah. we'll be doing it at we some will point. Be. Yeah. Um, and I, I would imagine it had no bearing on... Troy no, Duffy. but you. I, I guess what I'm saying is that in terms of these two... Seeing someone who has a full grasp on the visual components and the technical filmmaking, say what you will about Guy Ritchie, and I'm not the biggest Guy Ritchie fan in the world. Some of his films I like, some of them I don't. But at the very least, he's got a vision. He knows what he wants to say. I haven't seen Aladdin. He's British Tarantino. He he was for a while. He was for a while. I mean, yeah, there's no denying those first two movies. Like Snatch. And I I honestly have to say, I really liked his Man from Uncle movie. I thought it was really cute. I don't know if you guys saw it or not, but it's a really fun movie. And he has the ability to, when he can be a little bit winky, can, when he, and he can sort of deconstruct himself a little bit, I do enjoy him. It's when he takes himself yeah. too seriously. He I took just, the checks, he, which is fine. Yeah, yeah. He did. And I, and I do also think part of it was he was like kind of fully replaced by Matthew Vaughn. Yeah. Like I think right. Matthew Vaughn made right. Guy Ritchie movies in a more appealing yeah. mainstream sort of way. He also took the checks and made oh, yeah. something he wanted to make. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, he's, yeah. It's interesting. Matthew Vaughn was his guy, right? He was his yes. producer? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then he made Layer Cake? Correct. Yeah. Which and is then a he, good movie, too. And yeah, then, Layer Cake's good, and then Kick-Ass, then X-Men. Was it Kick-Ass, then X-Men? Yeah. Interesting. Kick-Ass got him X-Men, and then X-Men like got him Kingsman, Kingsman, which is the best. Don't like it. No you don't one. like the first one? I no, 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 no. I'm asking uh, Phil. Uh, don't like it. Really? Oh, I watched. I watched it two times in a row on a plane. <laughs> I loved it so much. I, I watched Kenny and bought a ticket and then went back and saw it a second time. Coolest move ever. <laughs> <laughs> Pull it a Kenny. I just. I don't know. Kingsman just. I, it's just not my thing. I. I, yeah. I don't. I don't. I, I think that Matthew Vaughn is 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 fine. I don't. I certainly don't hate him, but I don't love him. But all this is just to say that. I do feel like Troy Duffy is the type of filmmaker that could have, I guess, could have shown some promise. Like, could have actually maybe done something. He just, you know, fucked himself over. As to speak of, of what we were talking about, he shot himself, you know, with a, with a gun at a, at a strip Yeah, club. he he's basically is Plaxico. <laughs> but he, uh, I, I really do agree that he had an eye, and this makes sense because he's a sociopath. He had an eye for violence, and he yes, had, he had yes. an eye. Yeah, he, 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 the violent scenes, the action scenes, are legitimately innovative. They're stylish. Um, they're not like you know Tarantino's kind of rip off of kung fu cinema or right. Hong Kong cinema, kung fu. They're um, they're this like weird kind of like 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 Irish yeah. brawling, big scale thing mixed with, I guess, kind of a kind of a John Woo thing. Um, but, but for is how, how of the time Troy Duffy was, I do sort of feel like maybe he was a man born out of time and mm-hmm. like would have been better suited in like either like a gritty cop movie from the early seventies yeah, or like, you know, like a, like a horror movie, like a, just a blood and splatter horror well, movie. I would also because, say an eighties action movie well, vibe to it as well. Maybe. You know what I mean? Well, to your point about if he had $15 million, it would look the exact same. 
if he had one million dollars, it would look the exact same. Yeah. This is the movie this guy makes. Yeah. Um, it's never going to look great, but yeah. it, I, I think Sean, your point about the early seventies is a good one. It yeah. would have looked exactly the same in 1973, and I think we would have liked it a lot more. Just oh. kind of how we like, or I at least like Point Blank so much more than Payback, even though it's the same fucking movie. But the expectations are so much lower. Totally different. Um, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I think I'm reading also, The Hunter, by the way. Oh, is it good? Yeah, it's good. Yeah. yeah, I think his big problem isn't even directing. I think it's the writing. Like, hundred percent. He truly, mm. I like. I mean, it's 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 none of written. the characters are memorable. There's n- truly not a memorable line in the entire thing, other than firefight, which rules. Can I, <laughs> I, I was, I'll say this though. I, I do think that it does suffer a little bit from. Um, the two leads aren't particularly charismatic. They're not particularly interesting. Had he been able to get a star or somebody to, so that at least it's sort of the payback thing. It's not a fair comparison, but it's like Mel Gibson's Mel Gibson, right? For all that that brings now, he still was a movie star. He has a very watchable quality. These two guys don't, and I don't mean to shit on them, but they just, they're out to sea. They have no director that can save them. And on top of it, they're not particularly charismatic, at least at this stage in their career. So had he got a Keanu Reeves, had he got a fucking Mark Wahlberg or whatever. I'd love to have seen Ethan Hawke and Ewan McGregor. <laughs> sure. I mean, yeah, that would be fucking awesome. But I mean, it, it still would have been really straight to DVD. That's the thing. Like, that's, yeah, ultimately, yeah. like, <laughs> ultimately the bones of the house are not yeah, straight. It's, yeah. it's, you know? it's, it's, yeah. it's rickety going fall down no matter what you put on it or in it. I, that's probably true. You want to zero to 99 on it? Sure. Um, I, I would like to zero to 99 overnight as well if you guys want to. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm game to do that. Get I, that I, shit I, on I have, our letterbox. Yeah, I, haven't, I didn't do that. I didn't either, but, but whatever. But I can do it on the fly. I can wing it. Um, I didn't see this in 99. So I only have this viewing uh, and this podcast with which to, to grade it. Uh, before this podcast, I give it a 20. That feels fair-ish. I mean, I, I love Willem Dafoe, and he makes this kind of watchable. When he's on the screen, he's doing something. Yeah. And you're 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 like, well, that's something. And it's it's competently shot, sort of. But as we discussed, everything else doesn't work. Post podcast, I'm kind of at the same place. I'd basically just give it maybe. I might go up a little bit and say like a 22, but like that's kind of where I'm at. Uh, overnight, um, I mean, I give that thing like an 80, yeah, or 82. Yeah, I mean, it's fucking great. Uh, you know, I would say pre podcast, post podcast. I'm in the the high, the low 80s. I'll go, Sean. You want me to go? I'll, I'll go. Uh, so pre podcast on Boondock yeah. uh, stains. Uh, a movie. Duck stains. <laughs> it might as well. Yeah, I, mean, yeah. Yeah, sure. yeah. I misspoke, but yeah, let's go with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I have ignored this movie for a long time, mostly because of the people I knew who liked it. Sure. And so I think pre <laughs> the, 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 the people, the, people. The, the people who have stink lines coming yeah. off. Yeah. 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 The forky. Oh, that's so nice. So it's two nights. I'd probably go fifteen pre movie. I'd say what? fifteen. Sure. For, fair. Fair. Uh, after watching it, I have to give it like a four. Uh, <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm not. I'm not going to give it a zero. And uh, the uh, reason why I'm giving it four points out of ninety nine points. 
is because Willem Dafoe dressed up as a woman, and I thought that was so crazy. It was when she when he showed up, I would it was insane to me. Like it took over my body (laughs) with how how much I was surprised. That's how that's how I get when I see Primo Box too. I do love that that Sean texted me after watching it and said, Phil, I am so mad I watched this movie. <laughs> I really hated it. I hated it so much. But overnight, I watched three times. Uh, it's so fantastic. going into it, I, I let's say 80. Yep. But I think it's like one of the best Hollywood documentaries. I'll give it a 91. It's so fucking good. I'm, not, I'm Overnight, I'm around that too. I'd say I was thinking 90. Like it's just, it's, it's, it's like, fantastic. it's required viewing. So, yeah. you know, and it flies. It's a pre- oh, it's pretty quick. Um, it has that kind of, uh, I love that documentary, Some Kind of Monster about Metallica. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And it has that kind of vibe too, like this group of people breaking up. And um, so I love that. Uh, it made me a little anxious. Did it make you guys anxious at all? Like working in this industry, like when he's yelling at those ICM agents, I was just like, Dude, like stop! Like it, it made me a little. It angry. kind of is. It, it does have that cringiness yeah. where you're yeah, like, sort of you're watching these this guy make mistakes you've seen others make. And yes. you're like, come on, no! How did you not know <laughs> yeah. other people yeah. have done yeah. this? <laughs> it's to me, it's dated enough that it doesn't really feel like real life. Sure, but uh, I love that quality of it. I love that you it's know. So good. I love that it feels like Hollywood in you know, around the turn of the century, the turn of the millennium, and uh, and yeah, I really enjoy it. Uh, this movie. Um, I'm a little higher than you guys. Really? You're higher than four? <laughs> <laughs> you're, higher a than a, bit. you're higher than a 20? Uh, I'm a little surprised. In 2000 or whenever I watched this movie the first time, I would give it a 10. Okay. Um, okay. One of my least favorite movies ever made. Um, <laughs> before this podcast, I gave it a 25. Okay. That's not great. No, no. But it's not the worst movie we've done. No. Uh, I found parts of it to be very watchable. I found it to be pretty fascinating. I hate its worldview. I hate its morality. But like, how low can I really go? Like, who am I? Uh, after the podcast, I'm staying right there, 25. Eh, 25 um, now, it's not a good movie. Yeah, I thought you were going to go like, like to in the 40s or I, something. No, no. I would never go that high for this piece of trash. But <laughs> it's uh, it's it's not Amazing. it's not as miserable of an experience sure. as I thought it would be. Okay. Or as like Story of Us. Or the even haunting. chill factor, the worst. The haunting was a far more miserable experience. Really? Yes, I agree. I don't, know I don't I, agree. I agree I, with myself. I don't. I don't. Know I if believe I agree the with haunting that. is a more miserable viewing experience than this. This is what it, this this felt long to me. It's a bad movie. Anyway, what are we yeah. doing next week? It's our annual thing, right? I'm excited. For I'm this. excited. It's, I mean, it's my favorite. My you, favorite episode. Yeah. I literally think about this episode for. 364 days, and then oh, wow. today comes. Not today. We're we're recording this a long time ago, a whole week ago, <laughs> a whole week before, <laughs> but definitely not minutes before we're about no, to do the podcast. But um, I we think back ourselves. we would never do that. No, but uh, it's our 52 in review part two, the second one, the second one. Yeah, the I next mean, 52 movies we did. It's only about 45 because we've done TV. It's it's a real. Um, it's a, a real murderer's row of movies. It's a murder. It's it's a murdered row. It's not like uh, the the first time we did this, where I felt like we had um, perhaps more legitimate options. You know, some years you get. <laughs> I guess some years are like 1999, and mm. then some years are like 2000. Sure. And some years you have Boondock Saints. Some years you don't. And you know what? Boondock Saints came in right. Let right under the water. So. 
Tune in next week to see if Boondock Saints can win any of our awards in 52 in review part two, the second one. Because I, I, I'm going to, yeah, I'm a little, I'm very curious about Kenny's choices. Let's put it that way, guys. All right. Boondock Saints. Who knows? Who knows? Um, we're going to read off the whole list. Just look back at our, uh, our podcast since the last 52 interview. You can see what's eligible for the awards. The for awards are going to give out best, best picture, picture, best actor, best actress, supporting, supporting. Director, director, screenplay, other awards, fun some, guests. Some awards that Kenny um, made up that I didn't know existed. Awards I've made up. Fun guests, of course. Our, we're also going to do our top 10 of the 2010s. Top 10 of the 2010s. We the both odds. did 20, I think. And Yeah, I did do 20. Yeah, I did 20, too. And yeah, you'll get to your top 10 2010s. you get to your current top 10 of 1999. Indeed. And there'll be some fun guests. So, <laughs> Really? I'm kidding. There are no guests. Yeah, there are no guests. I was gonna be. I'm it's like looking Phil, around this room right now. It's Kenny. It's Ernie, and it's <laughs> it's fifty two in review yeah. part two next week. Next week, a show just for us. Uh, you're what's Sean. Your, always a pleasure. What's your Twitter handle? At Sean O'Connor on Twitter and Instagram. You have a podcast too, my, I have a podcast called Your Two Dads, where we interview dads. At, you should come on. Why aren't you on this, Kenny? You should come on. Never been invited. I'm going to invite you. Does your two dads mean you're one dad and I'm another dad? No, uh, uh, I, ho- I co-hosted with this guy, Julian McCullough. So it'll be three dads. So it'll be three. We always have three dads. I will be on this podcast right now. <laughs> okay. See you later. See you. Just podcast like it. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.